Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you for all that you have done. We adore you and feel godly sorrow in our hearts for so many slip-ups that are oftentimes come from our own personal challenges associated with the walk during these days. We become overwhelmed with um, the things that we see and the impact of the darkness, the magnitude of the darkness, and how pervasive it is around us, and it overwhelms us at times. We look at our situation, we, we see the delays, you know, that what, 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 what feels very deeply to, to us as delays, knowing that it is on account of your mercy and that you would want not one to perish, but at the same time, it, it has a, a way of kind of affecting us negatively at times and um, can really drag us down. And Father, we, we we repent of that. We ask you, Lord, to replace that type of self-pity and depression with your joy and strengthen our hearts and our spirits to help us to understand and to be able to actually live the scriptures in the way that we've been admonished to through them, through the word of Jesus, which is our word in our Bible. And understand that the fiery trials that are to try us, the fiery trials that are to try us, it's just not something strange. It's it's exactly what we ought to be going through. It's exactly what we should be expecting in our lives. And we pray for more grace. We ask you, Lord, to just take just abundant grace, grace that is so far beyond our understanding that you will pour it out upon us out of love and teach us, Father, to love you, to fall in love with you, to understand how glorious all this actually is, and to be able to look past this, what appears to us to be a really long, arduous, and terribly difficult, agonizing journey, mentally debilitating, and to see past it to be able to see the glory, the incredible beauty of all that which you have promised us and um, and to just live it, to, to, to see the things that are happening around us that are all, so awful, so terrible and so unspeakable that we never want to see some of the things that we've seen ever again, even though they're thrown into our face. And take that information, that data, that feed of ugly, that demonic, satanic upheaval of words that I can't say, and simply convert it into a joy that is associated with how close we are to being able to actually stand in your throne room beside you, Lord Jesus, because you love us and because you have steadied our path, that you have you have found us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you at the wedding supper. And to be a part of that, to have that hope realized, that hope to be part of your bride, part I don't even want to say part of the ruling class. It's part. That's certainly part of the teaching, but that's not. We don't covet that, Father. We don't covet that, Lord Jesus. We want to be yours. We want to be yours. We want to be in your presence always, not out far into the the shadowy area where the you know Thomas Kincaid small, beautiful, gorgeous mansions are, but to be 
in your presence to be privileged enough to be able to be in city mansions and be so close to the throne of God and to be able to ascend that holy hill. To have the glory and the transformation, the level of glory and the transformation that allows us to reside there and feel comfortable there and not have to eat of special fruit just to enter into it, but to actually have it be a normal part of our our eternity in the place where in all the trillions of life forms and all the untold number of universes, dimensions, galaxies, and the place of royalty of all the universe, the place where your royal priests and kings live. May we be a part of that. Will you help us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Praise your name. Tonight is Friday, May the 26th. And I thank you, Jesus. Maybe I'll be blessed. Maybe not. No. Yeah. For some reason, something converted on my computer. So I'm going to hunt. I'm going to hunt extra more. Because I want my Hebrew calendar. I like it. And the application disappeared from my phone. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And we'll try this right here. Today's Hebrew date is Friday. Sivan 6th of 5783. May the 26th of 2023. Praise God. Thank you for helping me find that, Lord. And tonight together... Not because we have to, Romans 14, praise you, Jesus, because the Sabbath can be every day, or maybe your favorite day is Sunday. I personally believe that if we're residing in the secret place of the Most High as we ought, always, every day. We light the Sabbath candles. One, again, I, write, I light three, one for the Father, one for the Son, thank you, Jesus, and one for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. Let us all close our eyes in the name of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit to surround us and to focus on your face and see your smile. We're so close. We're so close. We confess that we're always in a state of sin and our sin is always before us, as King David said. We know that it not only hurts you, but it upsets you when we deliberately sin. And sometimes we lose it a little bit, and perhaps we do. Maybe we could have gotten a grip on it on that moment, and maybe we just don't have the emotional composure sometimes to... Keep it under the level of control that's required. And of course, as the intensity of the things around us become more intense, it has the ability to trigger us, even though we thought that we have overcome that tendency. And we pray, Father, for more strength and more grace as we continue this walk and try to steady our path. Difficult is the way, and we proclaim nothing 
We have a contrite, guilty spirit before you, Father, because we are. And it is only through your mercy we could even be considered. In the name of Jesus, we pray, please, Father, please, Lord Jesus, find us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand there at the wedding supper. We thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you for Isaiah 43:25, which some might consider to be in, in contradiction to some of the things that Jesus said. Or, I'm sorry, some of the apostles said that everyone shall have to give an account. And it sounds like an ominous thing. Oh, such a horrible, scary thing. And yes, indeed, for some it may be. But we love you, Father, for telling us, as you did in Isaiah 43, 25, that I, even I, like it's kind of a surprise, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, blots them out. And you will not remember our sins. If we keep you in remembrance, let us contend together. State our case that we may be forgiven. Well, our case is our advocate, our king, the lover of our souls, our Lord Jesus. Our case is his blood. We praise you for that, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you for not even remembering our sins. As we hope to be able to stand before you absolutely guilt-free, as it says. In the promise of the prayer in the book of Jude, now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling. Fascinating how that is when we compare it and lay that very verse, those very words, side by side with King David saying, My sin is always before me, and in sin my mother conceived me. And then now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling, and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Father God, with exceeding joy. And as Paul said in the book of Romans, Oh, should I sin more that I might receive more grace? Heaven forbid. We praise you, Lord, for being that merciful, that loving. But you expect that same love, that same respect. And you understand when we feel sorry for ourselves. You do. And we pray that you will accept our godly sorrow when it returns after we stabilize. Maybe in a day, maybe in a couple of weeks, depending on what we're going through. But we thank you for keeping us from stumbling. We can only assume or estimate that the words to keep us from stumbling, the implication thereof, must be a very substantial stumble. For in this journey, that narrow path is very bumpy. May we never come to a place in our walk where we think that we have arrived. And may we never come to a place in our walk where we think that we are hearing perfectly and are allowed to judge another. For we're not. Nor should we want to, because if we truly love one another as we ought and are commanded to, we wouldn't do it. 
And we thank you for helping us to understand what, a little bit about what love really means. And we pray that you will amplify the love in our hearts for you as we look you in the eyes, not seeing a stern Jesus, but seeing a welcoming Jesus. And we praise you for the opportunity to be able to serve you for the days that we have left on this earth. We thank you for the encouragement, powerful encouragement, that you have given us through the things that are happening today. Fulfillment of prophecies. Seeing things such as Mount Papakatapetl appearing to begin to fulfill, and it may stop, it may stop, and we'll go back into a period of lull. Uh, and, and that's okay. It may, but it may not. Thank you, Father, for beginning to fulfill the prophecy, or the, I'm sorry, the vision, one and the same, really, prophetic visions, prophetic dreams, of your servant, David O'Rourke, where in 2012 he came forward and shared a vision in Austria about two tactical nukes being fired from a jet at the Fort Al facility, the nuclear facility in Iran. And then to be able to actually see news reports of the Israeli Air Force, or IAF, working with the United States with F-35s, running them in test sortie missions to see if the Russian and Iranian air defenses would even be able to see the jets by actually flying past them and realizing the air defenses did not see them. And to have that show up in multiple articles, essentially not completely fulfilling the prophecy, but helping us to understand that these things are becoming a reality in our very walk. No longer are we looking at these prophecies in hope, hoping that something's going to happen, something big that's going to indicate once and for all that we're about to leave. Yet while it's happening slowly, Father, through your mercy, because your focus is on those who have not awakened, your focus is on the multitude of your believers, in, even in the United States of Babylon, who have put all their hope and trust into Donald Trump. And we understand, Father God, that we, we, we can relate, I mean, to the idea of getting older, not wanting to suffer, when we're limping around and barely getting along in life. The last thing we need to have is a bunch of FEMA camps and CBDCs and loss of all of our income and all kinds of nasty stuff being forced try or at least an attempt to force to inject us with incredibly evil substances. We know that your divine power can overcome and convert any of that evil into nothing. We know that we have the power as a royal priesthood to command those things to change into saline and to believe it and to know it will be true. We know that we can put an empty pot on our stoves at night, even at our campsite. Hopefully we all, I'm not a camper father guy, but if I got to learn to camp, maybe I should start learning now. Who knows? We just don't know when 
you're going to be kind enough to take us. And we know that the mission, our mission now, is to help you fulfill the desires of your heart, which is that not one would perish. That the fullness of the Gentiles is brought in. And we don't understand what that means. We come up with all kinds of mathematical notions associated with the reestablishment of the state of Israel and how long a generation is, even though 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy people. And to the best estimates, that was penned somewhere around 300 AD, give or take, through the Holy Spirit. We think of all the ways that we can think of to try to justify the timing, to build up extra hope for all the right reasons serving you along the way, oftentimes to experience pretty intense sadness. Again, for all the right reasons. Help us, Father, we pray, to be able to see with eyes that are divine to hold very dear to our heart, Colossians 3, verse 2, where we are strongly admonished to keep our minds focused on the things of heaven. Keep our minds focused, stayed on things above and not on things of this earth. Father, in our abundance here, in the, as we live in air-conditioned homes, sometimes heated, you know, central, central whatever, heating and air, in many cases, and comfortable furniture, and uh, all kinds of incredible blessings, which are not unlike homes that are in other places in the world, like Australia, New Zealand, and, and all over. Not every country, but a lot the West. We praise you for those comforts, Father God, but we pray also that you will chasten us and you will pour out your refiner's fire upon us liberally to bring us to a place where, yeah, we're going to feel some loss and it's going to really not be pleasant. But that loss, that crushed feeling, that emotional, I have no place else to turn, is exactly where we become as close as we can possibly be with you. Our desire to reside in the secret place of the Most High and to feel the presence of that glorious comfort only comes when through the refiner's fire you have removed all other options from us. If we have a busy life and we become friends of the earth, we are at enmity with God. We don't want to ever be an enmity with you, Father. Thank you for your refiner's fire. Thank you for putting us in challenging, difficult, emotionally devastating sometimes situations, physically uncomfortable situations, places in our lives where we have nowhere else to turn, where we can no longer depend upon our own strength, because the options are exhausted. They're gone. And in the midst of the 
third seal financial global financial collapse, which the Antichrist, Obama, is currently orchestrating, which is a beautiful thing. It's a gorgeous thing. Praise you, Jesus. Because right now we're able for the first time in our entire lives, oh, we could listen to all the rapture visions and all the rapture predictions and all those things that have happened over the last 12 years over and over and endlessly over again. From people who really thought they were hearing pretty good, but weren't hearing good at all. Father, we thank you for keeping us stable. So many people have backslidden even to a very desperate point in their walk whereby they disregard you. They are, they're not spending time in the secret place of the Most High. They're not. How much did they ever really love you? Father, we pray for those that have been hurt and so disillusioned by what appears to us to be unacceptable delays, lies from the prophets, but they're not. It's your mercy. It's your incredible mercy. And if we have to endure more, because we're hoping for 2024, 2025 right now, I think you know that, but we also have to ready ourselves just in case we get more surprises. You're in control. And while you have clearly lifted your hand of protection off of this earth, which is a good thing, because it helps us to understand just how close we are. It helps us to be extra motivated to gently nudge people a little harder. Knowing that the most fruitful vineyards are those of the unbelievers or those who are marginal or those who are cold to bring them to a place where the opportunity of standing before you in the city of the living God in the imminent future and I do mean imminent all things are relative and relatively speaking <laughs> It is very imminent. We praise you for that. And it is highly motivational. We thank you, Jesus, for not coming and surprising us before we were ready so that we would have to suffer the crushing defeat of knowing that we missed the greatest opportunity offered to any believer ever. Let us not miss that. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will love us as much as we believe that you do and that you will pour out your love into our heart that we fall utterly, utterly in love with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And thank you, Father God. Amen. Praise God. The Hebrew Kaddish. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yav v'ratzon Inchilanu, 
Zikaron le mate vereshit. Ki hu yom techila le mikrae kodesh. Zechelitziak mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta veotanu kidashta mikol hamim veshabat kodshecha beava uvratzon himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove hidden in the split-open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling little foxes, those sly foxes, that hinder our relationship. For they rate our budding vineyard of love to ruin that love which I have planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We'll do it together. Thank you, Jesus. And never to his 
This time I take out holy oil. Thank you, Jesus. I want to. This is just what I do. Praise God. And I like to. This isn't a Catholic thing, by the way. <clears throat> this is a Passover thing. <laughs> um, making, taking the lamb's blood and putting a dab of it on the top of the door post to the left and to the right of the doorpost. That's how I consecrate myself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I hold my hand on my forehead where the oil is, and I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father. I consecrate myself into your holy hands. I consecrate myself into your holy hands, Lord Jesus. into your complete and total ownership. Lord, our friend, our first love, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, 
our spirit, our flesh, our soul, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood, please, and Father, your holy fire directly from the glory pillar. Thank you, Jesus. Cleanse us and totally purify us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, in Jesus' name, any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that you set your wills against us or our loved ones, we declare that you will be immediately struck by the holy fire of God, that it will shoot down from the glory pillar in the throne room and strike you directly and stick to you and burn you into screaming and horrific agony making a public spectacle of you in accordance with Colossians 2.15, an example of you across all the demonic ether that the demons of darkness will scatter. We declare that any entity of the darkness that would allow you, the spirits of darkness that attempt to come against us in or through their territory, that they too shall be struck by the holy fire of God, that all weapons, earthly or spiritual, all fiery darts will be vaporized in Jesus' name. All demonic contracts, all demonic agreements will be vaporized in the name of Jesus and the entities that forged them against God's will, struck by the holy fire of God, that it will stick to them like white, hot magnesium napalm and burn them in horrific agony in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to swirl around our dwelling places, to swirl around our bodies on all sides in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare that holy fire to follow us wherever we go. We decree in the name of Jesus and plead with the throne room of God for eight-foot-tall, mighty warrior angels to stand guard at the front doors of our house and all the windows. Father, in the name of Jesus, to follow us wherever we go. Father, we plead for a platoon of warrior angels on a search-and-destroy mission to ferret out and go out into the places that we are unable to see. All the indirect threat vectors that are a part of our existence on this earth and in this realm, and to shut down all demonic portals, to ferret out all attempts to come against us, to go through our workplaces, to go through our bosses' homes and into the meetings that we are not a part of, and to make good eyes blind and good ears deaf in the name of Jesus Christ, that your blessings shall surround us forevermore, unhindered in Jesus' name. We praise your holy name, Father. Make this fire in the name of Jesus extensible, that it shall expand outward. That it, the, 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 more intense, the more intensity that the darkness attempts to come against us, the more the holy fire will grow white hot in Jesus' name as the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit blows around about it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We decree this, we declare it, we command it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ against all entities that would attempt to come against us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We praise your holy name and thank you, Lord, for you alone are worthy.
A man by the name of Dale was a young man at the time. He was involved in a plane crash. Many of the people on the plane, it was a small plane, died. Actually, all of them, but him. Sometime after this long, or during, actually, this long stay in the hospital where multiple surgeries had to be performed as he suffered through it, memories started to return to him. Memories of a glorious journey, a journey to a place which we all hope to be soon. He wrote down his recollection of that journey. I'm going to read that to you now. Quote, Now it was coming back where I had gone. The more it came back, the more I let go, until the memories replayed themselves like one long, continuous movie. Leaving the hospital, I sped through what appeared to be a narrow pathway, an incandescent-like beam of light, almost like a searchlight, originated from me and illuminated my path. It wasn't a tunnel of light that I was traveling through. It was a path in the darkness that was delineated by the light. Outside of this pathway was total darkness. But in the darkness, millions of tiny spheres of light zoomed past as I traveled through what looked like deep space. Almost as if a jet were flying through a snowstorm. Its lights reflecting off the flakes as they blurred past. The speed at which I traveled was blinding, and the path narrowed to twice the width of my body. I had no pain, no discomfort whatsoever, no high-altitude ear-popping, no queasy stomach, no headache. And I had no worries, not even the least concern, only questions. What happened to me? Why is this happening to me? Where am I going? What's going to happen next? What happened next is beyond my ability to describe. I will use the best words that I can, yet the best words pale in the presence of what I actually experienced. I was still traveling at an enormous speed all the while, feeling no sensation of movement, no wind in my hair, no G-forces distorting my face, no pressure against my eyes making them close. At this time, I became aware that I was not traveling alone. Accompanying me were two angelic escorts dressed in seamless white garments woven with silver thread. 
They had no discernible gender, but appeared masculine and large, larger than I was. Their skin tone was light golden brown, and their hair fairly short. I could see their emotions, clearly delighted to be ushering me through this wonderland. They moved just behind me, one to the left of me and one to the right. Remarkably, my peripheral vision was enhanced, and I could see both of their glowing faces at the same time. I could even see behind me while hardly moving my head. I was fast approaching a magnificent city, golden and gleaming amongst a myriad of resplendent colors. The light I saw was the purest I had ever seen, and the music was the most majestic, enchanting, and glorious I had ever heard. I was still approaching the city, but now I was slowing down like a plane making its final approach for a landing. I knew instantly that this place was entirely and utterly holy. Don't ask me how I knew, but I knew. I was overwhelmed by its beauty. It was breathtaking. A strong sense of belonging filled my heart. I never wanted to leave. Somehow I knew I was made for this place, and this place was made for me. Never had I felt so right anywhere. For the first time in my life, I was completely whole. The entire city was bathed in light, an opaque whiteness in which the light was intense but diffused. And that dazzling light, every color imaginable seemed to exist. And what's the right word? It played. If joy could be given colors, they would be these colors. The colors were pure and innocent, like children playing in a fountain, splashing and chasing each other, gurgling with laughter. Water everywhere sparkled in the sunshine. The colors seemed to be alive, dancing in the air. I had never seen so many different colors. If the brightest light on the earth could shine through the most magnificent chandelier with tens of thousands of flawless crystals, it would appear as dirty glass in comparison to the amazing brightness and colors that enhanced and entranced me. It was breathtaking to watch, and I could have spent forever just doing that. The closer I got to the city, the more distinct the illumination became. The magnificent light I was experienced emanating all around about me, 40 or 50 miles within the city walls. I saw a great phosphorescent display of light that narrowed to a focal point that was brighter than the sun. Oddly, it didn't make me squint to look at it. 
And all I wanted to do was look at it. The light was palpable. It had substance to it, weight and thickness, like nothing I had ever seen before. The light from a hydrogen bomb is the closest that I can come to describing it. Just after the bomb is detonated, but before the fireball forms in the mushroom cloud, there's a millisecond of light where it flashes and the bomb releases its energy. It's something like that, but much larger. The glow and energy of this light radiated in all directions, upward and outward. It wasn't something that you shielded your eyes from, though. It wasn't something you even flinched. Just the opposite. It was warm and inviting, almost hypnotic in its ability to draw you in. Somehow I knew that light and life and love were connected and interrelated. It was as if the very heart of God lay open for everyone in heaven to bask in its glory, to warm themselves in its presence, to bathe in its almost liquid property so that they could be restored, renewed, refreshed. Remarkably, the light didn't shine on things, but through them, through the grass and through the trees and through the walls and through the people who were gathered there. There was a huge gathering of angels and people, millions, countless millions. They were gathered in a central area that seemed over 10 miles in diameter. The expanse of people was closer to an ocean than a concert hall. Waves of people moving in the light, swaying in the music, worshiping God. Holiness hovered over them the way I imagined the spirit of God brooding over the surface of the deep at the beginning of time. During the priceless moments of worship, you are so enraptured by it that you don't miss the moment before long for the moment thereafter. Somehow the music in heaven calibrated everything, and I felt that nothing was rushed. Nothing waited for you because you weren't late for anything. You weren't early. You weren't late. Neither having to wait for what was to happen next. No. Everything happened right when it was supposed to happen, and you were right there to experience it in sync with everything. Never hurried. Never hurried. Never stressed. Time was clearly evident, but it too was perfect. The music was in perfect timing. The songs and hymns had a beginning and an ending, yet in heaven... I was certain that it was stable, nothing dying, nothing decaying, nothing hurried, nothing late. Time seemed relaxed, comfortable, and natural. The limitations and consequences of earthly time did not apply here. Heavenly time and order were intertwined as part of a perfect whole. I was outside the city, slowly moving toward its wall, suspended a few hundred feet above the ground. I'm not sure how I knew direction there, but I had a strong, almost magnetic sense that it was northwest, which meant I was approaching the city from the southeast. A narrow road led to an entrance in the wall, which led into the city. I moved effortlessly amongst the road, escorted by my two angelic guides on what seemed to be a divine schedule. 
Below me lay the purest, most perfect grass, precisely the right length, and not a blade, not a blade was even bent or out of place. It was the most vibrant green I had ever seen. If a color could be said to have been alive, the green I saw was alive, slightly transparent, and emitting light and life from within each blade. The iridescent grass stretched endlessly over gently rolling hills, upon which were sprinkled the most colorful wild flowers, lifting their soft-petaled beauty skyward, almost as if they were a chorus of flowers caught up in their own way of praising God. The fragrance that permeated the heaven was so gentle and sweet, I almost didn't notice it amidst all there was to see in here. But as I looked at the delicate, perfect flowers and grass, I wanted to smell them. Instantly I was aware of a gentle aroma. As I focused, I could tell the difference between the grass and the flowers and the trees and even the air. It was all so pure and intoxicating and blended together in a sweet and satisfying scent. In the distance stood a range of mountains, majestic in appearance, as if they reigned over the entire landscape. These were not mountains you wanted to conquer. These were mountains you wanted to revere. It seemed that my vision had been extremely enhanced. How otherwise could I see the colors I was seeing and the light that was in everything? It was something like a 3D movie and then putting on the 3D glasses or being outside in the dark, darkest night and putting on night goggles and suddenly everything, everything has more dimensions, more richness. But that is an understatement. Multiply that by 10,000. And it might be a little bit like what I experienced. There are no words that can capture the scenes that were before me. Utterly breathtaking. My body was elevated above the ground and moved effortlessly to where, at whatever location my escorts determined. My energy seemed boundless. Even though I had always worked hard to be in excellent condition, I had never come close to feeling as strong. As strong and healthy as I felt now, it was, it was as though I could accomplish anything. The road was only wide enough for two people and, and followed the contours of the hill. It began sloping upward toward this huge wall that encircled the city. I gazed again at the light, which stunned me with its glorious brightness and drew me into it. I wanted to take everything in, see it all, absorb it all, and remember it all. Next, I heard a faint sound of water rushing in the distance. I couldn't see the water, but it sounded as if the rivers were cascading over a series of small waterfalls, creating music, music that was ever-changing. Music was everywhere. The worship of God was the heart and the focus of the music. And everywhere the joy of the music could be felt, the deepest part of my heart resonated with it, made me want to be a part of it forever. 
I never wanted to stop. It swelled within me and with around about me and was inviting me into some divine dance. The music was seamless, blend of vocals and instruments, the voices enhancing the instruments and the instruments enhancing the vocals, neither diminished, but the other rather enriched one another. There was no competition, only cooperation, perfect harmony and order. I had the feeling, and it was the most satisfying of feelings, that I was made for the music, as if each muscle in my body were a taut string of some finely tuned instrument created to play the most beautiful music ever composed. I felt part of the music, one with it, full of joy and wonder and worship. Perhaps this is what love sounds like when you put music to it. It felt so. And every part of me felt it. I was in complete harmony with it. And it accompanied me, beguiled me onward through my journey. I thought I would burst in exuberance as I found myself included in such sacred and joyous melodies. I wanted to pause and let the music resonate so I could savor the glorious experience. But it never stopped. It just kept playing. The music of praise seemed to be alive and it passed through me, permeating over every cell. My being seemed to vibrate like a divine tuning fork. I felt all this every ecstatic moment of it and I never wanted it to end. The music there, like the light that was there, existed in everything and everything felt in perfect harmony. There was not a note of discord, not a trace of someone playing their own music, not a bit of competition anywhere. There was perfect unity expressed toward one. One focus, our Father God. It was as if all of heaven knew the beat, the tempo, the words, the pitch, the tone, and participated in their unique way. It was all united in one song. There was not different songs, but all were playing together. It was all one song sung by everyone simultaneously. It was beautiful beyond belief. It was Blissful, beyond belief. I never felt such overwhelming peace. While in heaven, I somehow realized that knowledge is flawed and did not seem to be of much significance at all. Truth is what prevails and has supremacy in heaven. When I had questions or needed understanding, it seemed to be parted automatically and directly into my heart. Just one of the things I somehow seemed to understand was that heavenly order was everywhere and in everything. I understood in my heart that God's will was perfection and his word was the source of all creation. As I considered all that I had seen, I understood that the word of God was and is the foundation for everything. God was the heart of heaven, his love, his will, his order. Somehow I recognized that Jesus, the word, was the structure that held it all together, like the rib cage around the heart. He was the creative power that brought everything that I saw into place and stabilized it. 
The multitudes of angels and people responding to the will of God and acting in perfect order to accomplish his will. Even light, the way it traveled and reflected, was highly complex, yet mathematical and precise. The melodies and rhythms of the music were all in perfect order, nothing out of sync. No part of heaven was independent of the whole. There was complete unity. Between the central part of the city and the city walls were groupings of brightly colored, perfect, picture-perfect homes in small, quaint towns. I call them townships because I can't think of a better word for them. I'll pause for a moment and mention that Odin Edric called them the suburbs. It's also the country mansion area. I focused on only two or three townships, but certainly there were more. A lot more, no doubt. The dwellings in these townships were not arranged in any uniform or symmetrical manner, but appeared perfectly balanced somehow. Each home was customized and unique from the others, yet blended harmoniously. Some were three or four stories. Some were even higher. There were no two that were the same. If music could become a home, it would look like these, beautifully built, perfectly balanced. The flowers in heaven fascinated me. Again, I del- again a delightful and delicate balance between diversity and unity. Each was unique. All were one. And they were beautiful to behold each petal, each leaf illuminated with that glorious light and added just the right splashes of color to the velvety expanse of the green grass. I described previously the grass, the skies, the walls, the houses, everything were more beautiful than I could have dreamed anything could be, even the colors. They were richer and deeper, more luminescent than any color I'd ever seen in the farthest reaches of earth or in the most fantastic dreams. They were so vibrant, they pulsated with life. Each and every color, no matter how varied, took its color from the glistening whiteness that permeated in heaven. If millions of jewels had been gathered into one place, millions of jewels had been gathered, and the brightest sunlight shone through them, it wouldn't begin to describe the colors that I saw. Heaven was filled with rainbows and hues It provided me with a sensory feast. My eyes were next drawn to a river that stretched from the gathering areas in the middle of the city. That's the Crystal River. The Crystal River. The gathering in the middle of the city to the wall. It flowed toward the wall and seemed to end there, at least from my vantage point. The river was perfectly clear with bluish-white hue to the water. The light didn't shine on the water, but mysteriously shone within it somehow. The wall to the city was not a single wall, but rather a series of walls layered next to one another. The wall was made of three outer layers, three inner layers, and one higher wall in the center. The outer layers of the wall were about 40 feet tall. Each layer of the wall was taller as it got closer to the center, like stair steps. At its tallest point, the wall was a couple hundred feet high. And surprisingly, it was as thick as it was tall. The wall was massive and stretched out to my left and to my right as far as I could see in both directions. This is the wall around the city of God, Hebrews twelve twenty two. The outer wall was greenish in color with a hint, that's that pearl color, 
with a hint of blue and a hint of black mingled with it. It was made entirely of translucent stones, large multicolored stones that were built into the base of the wall in layered rows. Powerful light permeated the wall, and you could see all the colors of the rainbow in it. Strangely, whenever I moved, the colors moved ever so slightly as if sensing my movement and making an adjustment. The two angels that had escorted me there were still with me, hovering me along, the three of us in sync, making sure that I was where I should be and when I should be there. I was eye-level with the base of the wall now, no longer hovering over it, but standing in front of an impressive opening. It was an archway that seemed to be approximately 40 feet high and 30 to 35 feet wide. A tall, majestic, angelic being stood to the right side of the gate, dressed similarly to my escorts, with the exception of a golden belt wrapped around his upper waist. A large emblem was located on the belt where a buckle would normally be. He appeared very strong and masculine. His hair was either white or it was light radiating from him. But his entire being, his head specifically, was illuminated in bright white light. His face seemed to light up with love and joy at seeing me. The entrance or gateway was opalescent in color, as if it had been made of pearls that had been liquefied and then solidified into the wall. The entrance was completely composed of mesmerizing substance that also coated the entire inside of the opening as far as the eye could see. The ornamentation around the entrance included phenomenal detail. It was the most astounding sight I had ever seen. I basked in the beauty that adorned the gateway, I noticed the large gold letters emblazoned above the opening. They seemed to quiver with light. A single line of letters formed an arch over the entrance. I didn't recognize the letters, but I knew the words were as important as any words could be. Other letters were written in honey-colored gemstones on the ground in front of the entrance and included several lines. The entrance through the thick wall was breathtaking. The opening seemed filled with light that was the purest white, yet it seemed to have countless hues that changed with every of my slightest movement. I was filled with excited anticipation of entering that beautiful gate. I was immersed in light and music and love. Vibrant life permeated everything. All these weren't just around me. They were inside of me. And yet, it was wonderful. More wonderful than anything I had ever experienced. It felt as if I belonged there. I didn't want to leave. Ever. It was as if it was the place I had been searching for all my life. And now I found that my search was over. The smallest group of people in soft white robes had congregated to my left in the lush grass, just off to the right of the roadway. It seemed as if the music was orchestrating the event, the people all moving in their proper places. They had just arrived and were waiting in the wings, on time and in place, 
as if they were following a director's cue. Who are these people, I wondered, and why are they here? As suddenly as I had wondered, the answer came. They were here for me. Wherever had they traveled from, and however far had they traveled, they had traveled for me. The looks on their faces, their excitement at seeing me, the welcoming me. They were welcoming me. It was overwhelming. I felt so special, so loved. I had never felt such a deep sense of belonging. They radiated profound joy at seeing me. Everyone smiled. Their eyes were warm and kind. Their hearts so filled with unconditional love that it spilled out from them onto me. No one was recognizable as an earthly acquaintance. Please be advised, this is a confirmation of our pre-existence. No one was recognizable as an earthly acquaintance, but all seemed remarkably familiar. I didn't know these people, but somehow I knew they were my family, my spiritual family, my brothers, my sisters, spanning generations. Although I didn't know them, somehow I knew. Somehow they knew me. They knew Dale. They knew my name. And they knew the real me. Not the one I tried to project on earth. To be accepted by someone or a friend or validated by a group of peers. They knew me. They not only knew my name, but somehow they knew the story behind my name. I was unaccustomed to such love and acceptance. I began to understand that this love was what God had designed for me from the beginning. These people had come to welcome me, include me, and communicate to me that I was a valuable part of the family of God. And I had never felt so loved in my life. Yet I had never done anything for these people. This was unconditional love. They were vessels of God's love, both individually and collectively. For some reason, I clearly understood that I should not be touched, at least not yet. No one tried to touch me, and I didn't have a need to be embraced. The love I received from my spiritual family was so fulfilling and satisfying that no human touch could rival how I lo the love that I felt. As I gazed into the radiant faces of these precious people, I looked into the eyes that were more colorful than them on any earth. Any on earth. Their smiles were brighter, their countenance more alive. Each person was a living, vibrant, external, executing every very life of God. I, I didn't think about whether or not they were male or female, although... They were both. I saw them for who they were. None were skinny, none were overweight, none were crippled, none were bent over, none were old, none were young. If I had to guess, I would say they appeared to be, I don't know, somewhere around 30 years old or something. They had no wrinkles, no sign, no shifting, no sagging, no signs of aging. I, I somehow understood that time was not an enemy here. Although some form of time does seem to exist in heaven, no one aged, no one died, no one decayed. They wore soft, white, seamless robes. Their skin tones were different but blended together so that no single person stood out. 
I did not notice racial differences, but I was aware that they had come from many tribes and many nations. None were recognized by their physical or social distinctions that we recognize on earth. All were recognized by their spirit, by the essence of who they were. Everyone, everything was full of pure life and was connected to the light somehow. And everything that was connected was led by our Father. Part of the joy I was experiencing was not only the presence of everything wonderful, but the absence of everything awful. There was no strife, no competition, no sarcasm, no betrayal, no deception, no lies, no murders, no unfaithful, no disloyal, no contrary, nothing contrary to the light and the love and the life. In short, there was no presence of sin at all. And the absence of sin was something you could feel. There was no shame because there was nothing to be ashamed of. There was no sadness because there was nothing to be sad about. There was no need to hide because there was nothing to hide from. It was all out in the open, clean and pure. Here was perfection, complete and utter perfection. The revelation of sin's absence was astounding and exhilarating. This is where I belonged. I was made to be in heaven, in a perfect place where there is no sin. I had been in heaven for some time before I recognized sin's absence. Now I contemplated one thing that dominated everything on earth, that infected everything on earth, but it was missing here. It can be compared to oxygen, I went through life not really thinking about the air I was breathing while I worked, slept, ate, and drove. But take the air away, and I would think about nothing else. Similarly, I was so accustomed to sin that I hadn't even recognized its far-reaching effects in every part of life. But nothing had been tainted in the heaven by sin's destructive touch. This perfection I experienced was largely due to the absence of sin. The best unity I have ever felt on earth did not compare to the exhilarating oneness that I experienced with my spiritual family in heaven. This love. God's love was transforming. To experience something so sacred, so profound, as the boundless love of God was the most thrilling part of heaven. It satisfied a longing in the deepest part of me. My spiritual family had shared God's perfect love with me. How could I ever be the same? My attention was diverted to the beautiful entrance. I was certain I was going through the gate as I turned back toward the precious family and did not want to leave that perfect love. But because of the highly expectant look on their smiling faces, it seemed as if they knew I would be given a gift and that that gift would do, and what that gift would actually do for me. I felt so special. You can't believe how special. After all, all this was for me. Everyone there was there for me. I had no idea what gift it was that I was to receive. But the anticipation on the faces of the people that knew me. It was something extraordinary. 
I felt like a kid again, like a fifth grade kid who loved God. Like that kid who used to look forward to Christmas, you know, you wouldn't believe. Like like you wouldn't believe it. It it couldn't wait. You couldn't wait until the gifts that waited for you under the tree. And you couldn't wait for the gift that awaited for me now. The music continued so beautiful, the music. And I became even more excited. It swelled. It was so, I was just so overwhelmed with anticipation. And then I was about to travel through the entrance and receive the gift. I was swept away. That is the end of Brother Dale's testimony. Dale never entered the city of the living God. He got glimpses of the, what's referred to ironically, I like how Odin Hedrick puts it, the, the outer suburbs, the country mansion area. But in reality, he was close enough to the city of God standing outside the gates that he was able to experience the love and actually be met by those who were glorified. The light is glory. The further out and away you go from the city, the less glorified people are. The less obedient a Christian is, the further out in the outer darkness they are. But it's really not outer, quote, darkness. It's simply the shadowy area. Because the further away you get from the city of the living God, Mount Zion, where the gates, the pearl-covered, shimmering, light gates, and the walls that are hundreds of feet high, the huge angel with the golden belt and the emblem on it, And the people that met him, who he didn't know, but knew him. All around him was the glory of God, but he never entered the city of the living God. The city of God. He never entered that which is spoken of, that which is spoken of in Hebrews. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Hebrews twelve, twenty-two. Praise God. Where it says, You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator, of the new covenant. Praise his name. Brother Dale never walked inside 
the city of the living God. How all-consuming the glory and the beauty of that which awaits us is that he could be so utterly overwhelmed just by standing outside of the city. Now, try to imagine the glory of the city. The gold streets made of glass. No, gold. No. Well, gold that looks like glass. Glorious, beautiful city mansions, more fabulous than you can ever imagine, more fabulous and glorious than that which Dale had seen, with terraces that face the throne room, where the Crystal River runs beautifully right through. to be amongst that general assembly, to be a priest of the living God, to be a king in the hierarchy of those who rule and reign with Jesus. Dale never got to go there. Can you imagine? It's hard to imagine. But what you just heard, that's the area on the outside. So when we pray to be found worthy, to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man, where do you think he is? He's in the city of the living God. He's behind those gates. And that's where we, by God's grace, and our determination out of love for obedience to God our Father, who we adore, and Jesus our King, who is our very, very first love. That koinonia, that relationship, creates this harmonious existence with the Godhead, our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as we feel the pressure, and I do mean, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about like, just the pressure. It, there's just no other word I can think of to describe the pressure that we feel. I was told by another person once who was only briefly taken to heaven. Oh my goodness, it was nothing like what you just heard. But this individual was taken there for just probably a few seconds. And she said to me, You have no idea how oppressive, how utterly, utterly, utterly oppressive 
it is to exist on earth. Until that oppression, like a giant tree laying on your chest, is removed in the presence of the light and love of our Father. And as we deal with that oppression, as we deal with the challenges, let us all remember this is a training ground. We did exist before the earth. That's why Jesus knew us before the foundations of the earth. Without getting into all the details of it, every testimony, every book I've read, with maybe a couple of exceptions, say the same thing. People, glorified people, with the most incredible depth of love, notice that in Dale's visit, they weren't allowed to touch him. He wasn't glorified. But he could feel it. And he was overwhelmed by it. Helping us to understand and try to keep into perspective that which awaits us. And oh boy, is it close now. As we see all these oppressive things happening in the earth, as we see slowly the unfolding of the fulfillment of prophecy, in some cases, prophecy that we've been following since 2010, 2011, 2012, many years ago, starting to become fulfilled. Maybe only rumbling. Maybe only news, news reports. As we deal with those things, those images that we wish we didn't see, Let us all remember to close our eyes, to spend that time in the secret place of the Most High, to rebuke in Jesus' name with our power and authority, and command those images to leave our mind. To plead with our Holy Father to purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven. Let us always remember to close our eyes, even for a moment, and remember how amazing Dale's experience was. And he never even went inside the city of God. That is so unbelievable, so amazing, so alluring, so overwhelming, so ecstatic, just to imagine. Colossians 3, verse 2. Let us keep our minds stayed 
on things above and not on things of this world. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being so kind and so loving that you would take people in their spirit bodies, albeit not glorified yet, and give them tiny little glimpses of amazing, incredible things that can't be described. For no I have seen or ear has heard the things which our Heavenly Father has stored up for those of us who love Him. Oh, how true that is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Joshua, Yeshua. Thank you, our Lord. Awesome God. Thank you for this opportunity. Help us to walk in your divine love and to maybe understand just a little how incredible all this actually is. In Jesus' name.
quietness of the heart it is to expect nothing to wonder at nothing that is done to me to feel nothing done against me it is to be at rest when nobody praises me and when I am blamed or despised It is to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret, the secret place of the Most High. And I am at peace as in a deep sea of calmness. And all around and above trouble. We arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through the belief in the threeness, through the confession of the oneness of the Creator of creation. We arise today through the strength of Christ's birth with his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion and his burial, through the strength of his resurrection with his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom. We arise today through the strength of the love of the cherubim and obedience of angels and service of archangels and hope of resurrection to meet with reward. We in prayers of patriarchs and predictions of prophets, in preaching of apostles, in faith of confessors, and innocence of holy virgins and deeds 
of righteous men. We arise today through the strength of heaven, light and sun, radiance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness as wind, depth of sea, stability on earth, firmness of the rock. We arise today through, through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eyes to look before me, God's ears to hear me, God's words to speak for me, God's hands to guard me, God's ways to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from the snares of the devil, from temptations of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and near, alone and in multitudes. We summon today all these powers between me and those evils, against every cruel and merciless power that may oppose my body, my soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against crafts of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that, oh, praise you, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ to my right, Christ to my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when we arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in the eye of everyone who sees me. Christ in the ears of all that hear me. We arise today through a mighty strength. The invocation of the Trinity through the belief in the threeness, through the confession of the oneness of our Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We enter into communion. Remain to never give in 
We are destined to win. So we gather the memories of our soul. Destroyer of death, the Lord of our own. The light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings. By the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased. generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. 1 Peter 2.9 Colossians 3.12 Philippians 4.8 He, our Lord Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed, fell on his face, and he prayed saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Matthew 26, 39. God was manifested in the flesh justified in the Spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world, and received up into glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Hallelujah. Father, please have mercy on us. We mess up. We get depressed and frustrated. The oppression and the darkness here is so intense now. Have mercy upon our souls. According to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, we pray, please, blot out all of our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity. Cleanse us from our sin. We admit our transgressions. We confess them before you. Our sin is always before us. Against you, Father. Our first love. Against you and you only we've sinned and done all this evil in your sight. 
we acknowledge it. Father, behold, we were brought forth in iniquity, and in sin our mothers conceived us. And behold, Father, you desire truth in our inward parts. And in the hidden parts, you will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop, and we shall be clean. Wash us, and we will be whiter than snow. Father, make us hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken metaphorically through our experiences of trials, fiery trials and tribulation, and being trapped in the presence of such oppressive evil. We pray that you will hide your face from our sins, allow joy and gladness enter into our heart, and blot out all of our iniquities. Father, create in us a clean heart every day, every day, and always renew a steadfast and determined spirit in us. Do not cast us away from your presence, and Father, help us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with your generous spirit. And then we will gently nudge people. We will gently mention the Bible. We will gently help people understand what's really happening around them. Wisely picking the right words, following that which is impressed upon our heart by the presence of of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All we ask, Father, that is that you would please continuously deliver us from any guilt that we might have occasionally. Allow it to keep us contrite, to never develop presumptuous sin, and to always be humble and desirous of the glory that awaits us, that we might bring all with us. As you water while we plant. In the holy name of Jesus we pray and thank you, Father God. Amen. The Lord's Supper. Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In that same manner he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim your first love's death until he comes for you. Ani Ludodi Vidodi Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Jesus, you're ours. Praise you.
were hurt for my offense. You were sick for my disease. You were poor for my prosperity. You were strong when I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer. I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God Almighty to always be with me. And I know I will never be are the masters of the devil. We are the servants and foot washers of mankind. Ezekiel 22.30 Also I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me, the Lord God. 
on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Isaiah 6.8 Also we heard the voice of the Lord our Father saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? Then we said, Here am I. Send me. Isaiah 43.25 Our Father said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance, and let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. John fourteen twelve to 14 Most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will they do, because I go unto the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I will add to this, though. Warning. The second that you stop praying, the second that you stop believing, recognize we're all basically a type of Abraham. And God's going to take us up to the last nanosecond. The second you stop praying and believing and praising him for the answer to that prayer is the moment that you've actually forfeited that chance to allow God to do a mighty work. Don't forget, a lot of the answers to your prayers are going to happen after you leave this place. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Man, that sounds awfully, that sounds like super powerful to me. If you got to like weave together words like exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think, but then to realize that it's according to the power that works in each of us. For it is no longer we who live, but Jesus Christ and his power that works through us. For we are a royal priesthood. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Intensified prevailing prayer. Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Charles Spurgeon said, He who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself.
Thank you, Jesus. James 5.16b, the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Fervent meaning having or displaying a passionate intensity. Impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervid, and heartfelt. We cast out demons. And these signs will follow those who believe. Do you believe? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants, and if they drink anything deadly or ingest, that is what the word drink means. Look it up. Strong's. Ingest. Anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Praise God. Mark sixteen seventeen to 18. For the weapons of our warfare are not earthly. It's not pepper spray and BB guns and knives and things and clubs. The weapons of our warfare are not earthly, not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing, principality, power, spiritual host of wickedness and worlders of darkness and high places that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but instead we wrestle against principalities, powers, spiritual host of wickedness of this age, against spiritual uh, wickedness in high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand Sounds like those principalities and powers are going to try to knock you down. If you're going to be wrestling with them and just standing there like a big old lump of whatever, what you, what you think they're going to do? They're going to knock you down. Who's that? The principalities, the powers, and all the subordinate entities of the darkness that we are surrounded by, unless you take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, which is Jesus, which is the power that works in you. Hallelujah. For now to him, Jesus, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There we are. Wow, it just comes together so harmoniously. Almost like all those colors and flowers and light and music and love. Because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. It either came from our own personal fleshy concerns. Instead, he gave us a sword or the darkness. And instead, and probably both usually, Fiery darts are real problematic. That's why you got to protect yourself with the holy fire of God. should be done every day. Constantly, really. 
Luke 10, verse 19. This was done before the cross. This was done before Pentecost. This was done before the Holy Spirit was sent down. This was done before all of that stuff. Jesus sent out the 70, and, he said, and when they came back, they were like, wow, even the demons respond to your name. The 70 sinners, by the way. There was no cross at that point. And then Jesus said to them when their minds were blown, he said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So when you go to your little churchianity place and they tell you silly things like, Oh, you know, you don't have any power because, you know, until, you know, they try to divide the Bible up into pieces and they say, you know... Jesus was only talking to the Jews and stuff like that. That is satanic. It's anti-Christ. You know why? Because it's against the very word of God. Oh, but you say that can't be happening. I'm standing in a church. But wait, wasn't it Jesus who said to Peter, his own hand-picked apostle? The one who he loved so much? Because he's impetuous and emotional. And did things he shouldn't ought to done. <laughs> Jesus forgived him. Didn't he say to him, get thee behind me, Satan? Hand-picked apostle. How much more so are we going to experience that in the church and by others who believe they're hearing from God? There's nothing more dangerous to our walk than a believer who thinks they're divinely appointed. We need to know our Bibles and walk in the Word of God. Mark 9.25, excellent example of how we deal with demons. When Jesus saw the people come running together, that's because he wanted to glorify his father, so he waited for the people come, to, to come running together. He wanted to do a demo. He wanted to show off. He wanted to show God to those people, to glorify his father. So when he waited, he waited until the people came running together. And then he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. There's an exclamation point at the end of the word more. Fervent. Matthew 12, 28. Jesus said, But if I cast out spirits by this, or I'm sorry, demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? Now, what's a strong man? It is the demons are hierarchical. They're kind of like the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> You know, but it's the kingdom of darkness. And they got a demon that's in charge, and that's the strong man. And then there's other demons in there, too. Where do they reside? In the house. The temple body. And what is their primary target? Believers. What allows that believer to have a bunch of demons inside of them? Well, there's a number of different reasons, but the most common one is sin. Even sin that they're not even aware is sin. And there's demons there. Watch out. And it goes on and says, unless he first binds the strong man, 
and then he will plunder the rest of the demons out of the house. Out, strong men, in the name of Jesus, get out. Subordinate demons, get out, in Jesus' name. Get it in order. Doesn't work as well if you don't. Matthew twelve forty three to 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house, the body of that individual from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. But then he goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. That's why Jesus said, now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So before I go on a little bit more encouragement, before we go on together, thank you, Jesus, as part of the body. No one greater than another. All equal in Christ. There is neither man nor woman, Jew or Gentile, for we are all one in the body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, okay. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Uh, this is an excerpt from a um, a person that was taken to heaven. He said, I saw a very, very gorgeous mansion. Then a certain man was coming out. Somehow I knew he had been a pastor on earth. In heaven, they told me, the reason why he had a large and beautiful mansion in heaven was primarily his giving and helping the needy and the poor and his praying. Giving and helping the needy and the poor and his praying provided the materials for his mansion in heaven. These are the things that are important to our Father because these are the things that come out of us through the love of Jesus. We do not want one person to go to the place that I don't even like to think about. Not one. And God will handle the entities that we know we're surrounded by. But the power that we've been given in Christ, we set aside time because it's important to our Father who we love 
Yes, our eyes may burn because we're tired. Yes, we might be pretty sleepy by 3 o'clock in the afternoon because we got up extra early. Yes, we might take a little bit of bad-mouthing from our spouse who's not half the believer or maybe not at all a believer because we dared to trouble them by getting up a little earlier or staying up a little later or stealing away to a part of the house where nobody is. But we do it anyway because we love our Father more than anything. We love our King more than anything. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Praise you, Jesus. Together, we pray for the people of Oceania, the land. Here we are, Father. Send us. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb of God, we symbolically hold up a golden cup of forgiveness, Father God, before your throne. For that which is, praise you, Jesus, Father God, for that which is, uh, For that which we pray for on earth is also in heaven. We know that we stand before the courts of heaven, Father God. We lift up a golden bowl because those golden bowls are all over your scripture. And we pray that you will pour it out, pour out your anointed forgiveness and mercy upon all the peoples, every nation, tribe, and tongue of the lands of Oceania. From the northern sides of Papua Al New Guinea to the southern sides of Tahiti and Bora Bora, to the far western sides of Indonesia and Malaysia, to the far eastern sides of the Solomon Islands, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people that make up Australia, New Zealand, Tasmania, Borneo, Sumatra, to Sulawesi, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Father, please forgive them, for they know not what they do. Please pour out the golden bowl of forgiveness upon them. We beseech you, for you would want not one to perish. Let us contend together. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of Oceania in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move freely into the lands in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And as Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, and Daniel did in chapter 9, I think it's 9, verse 9 around there. Father, We confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Oceania. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. For we are a royal priesthood. Thank you, Father. Thank you for forgiving them, even if but for a time. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of Oceania, we come against you in the mighty name of Jesus. 
and by his blood we decree fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you in a screaming agony in the name of Jesus Christ and make a public spectacle of you thereof. An example in Jesus' name in accordance with Colossians 2.15. Hallelujah. Father, we declare in Jesus' name the dispatch of hundreds of millions of, Father, indeed trillions of legions of warrior angels and archangels. We pray that you will promote even more archangels for the times that we are in right now in Jesus' name. Send them in to wage war against these principalities and powers now. We beseech thee, Father God, before your high, holy, supreme courts in heaven. Praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. War upon these entities of darkness. War! And holy fire we call down in Jesus' name. Praise you, Father. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, strong men, come forth. Subordinate spirits, out now. We have loosed your legal rights to them. Come out. We declare hundreds of millions, trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to seal the pit, to weld it shut. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony. We have come to punish you before your time, because greater things than these do we do, because our Lord Jesus Christ has gone unto the Father. Hallelujah. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Thank you, Lord. We declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to protect every single one of the millions of people across the lands of Oceania now in the name of Jesus. And we pray that the Holy Spirit, the whirlwind thereof, in Jesus' name, will sustain that holy fire on all sides. Job 1.9, in Jesus' name, alleluia. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house. And Father, please, we pray for the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace to enter into their heart, to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain. And Father, your power, Jesus, your power and love will water those seeds. In accordance with John fifteen sixteen, in Jesus' name, praise you, Father. And in accordance with Job Thirty-three, fourteen, and 15. Father, we pray for an innumerable company of angels of light and love to enter into their dreams and visions, to save their souls from the pit, and to seal their instruction and to bring them to heaven. Holy Lord Jesus, omnipotent one, the essence of light, love, and the word, the glory of God, which we heard such wonderful testimony tonight thereof. Please. Reach your hand out to every one of the people in those lands. Call them by their name, please. For our Father would not want to perish. Let us contend together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you all next Friday, Lord willing. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you.
We come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life we are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on the living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Set her free Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full Our hearts are right Like those five wise virgins We will be Your bride awaits Sleep patiently
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 